It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Hey, uh, shout out to our podcast audience as well. We, July was a big month, um, exciting month for us in the podcast space. Uh, in no particular order, we, we number one, we added uh, our podcast to Amazon Music. So I don't know, Amazon, little startup company based in Seattle, maybe you've heard of them. Anyway, uh, so that's a big deal and that's starting to pump along. July, we went through uh, 50,000 downloads for uh, the first time. So that's a pretty significant milestone and, um, and it was an, another record month of uh, downloads as well, which is great. And into the top 10, uh, Brazil has re-entered. Brazil, where did you go? Well, they're back in the top 10 and a new country entering our top 10 uh, of uh, our podcast audience is Sri Lanka. So welcome to everyone listening via podcast. How about we give them a welcome from here in sunny Perth. I don't know that. Today's week three of a series that we launched, obviously, two weeks ago, called Who You Are When No One's Looking. And the big idea around this series is character. Character is something that is vital to us as we journey through life. A lack of character will be our lid. I said in week one, there's a difference between talents and character, and someone can have enormous talents but a lack of character, and it's actually the character that will be their lid. And as a culture, the, the, the big ideas that make up character, unfortunately, are on the slide in you know, reasonably just general terms. And secondly, it's not being talked about. It's just kind of being allowed to happen. And so we're drilling into this topic of character. Week one, we launched with honor, the topic of honor, honor in a cancel culture where we think, well, if that person, I don't agree with them, then they're done. And sometimes that's not the approach that God wants from us. Uh, and I, a little benchmark that, that I threw out, I'll kind of spin it today. But you know, when we talk about people that aren't in the room, would you ever have to stop the conversation if they walked into the room? You're like, shh, they're coming. And versus, here's a, here's a goal, here's some hashtag goals, versus they walk in the room and because you've been talking about them in an honoring way, you say to them, oh, we've just been talking about you. And it's a good thing. They're not like, really? Last week, we talked about integrity and really expanded the definition of integrity. Integrity, and I got this specific feedback from a couple of our team, you know, saying that, yeah, they had equated integrity with honesty, trustworthiness, and it includes that, but really is a much more expanded definition. So uh, rather than miss out on those, you can go back to our YouTube channel or, or a podcast app, type in, search Elevate Church Perth, and uh, we'll automatically appear and you can get into those two messages. Today I want to encourage someone or some ones who have a sense that God's promised them something and yet you haven't been able to take possession of it yet and you're a little bit tired and you're a little bit frustrated and you're a little bit worn out and maybe you're contemplating quitting before taking possession, 
really the word, and this is what I'm going to teach on today, is perseverance. And so my hope and my prayer is that if that's you this morning, if you're someone that's you, you just you're contemplating quitting because the thing that God's promised you, you haven't been able to take possession of yet. I hope you leave here encouraged. I hope you leave here ready to go again, ready to push on, ready to, as the Brits say, crack on, ready to persevere. And once again, looking at this week's topic, we're talking about something that's actually countercultural to the way our Western culture is moving. So we're actually moving into a culture that puts a high priority on instant gratification, on-demand streaming without suffering from buffering. We actually expect that now, right? And when the spinning wheel of death starts spinning, we're tempted to throw stuff at the TV. Amazon Prime is now going bonkers around and you can, you can get next day delivery. Hello, stuff. You click one day, someone drops it the next day. And yes, Omni Jared had a Saturday delivery. Saturday? When did that happen? Uber. I remember taking an Uber once. I, I literally got the app. I tapped it from whilst standing in my living room. The Uber car beat me to the curb. I'm like, wow, that was quick. Sorry, mate, sorry. I got here as quick as I could. That was me telling the driver that I was running late. Oh, it's okay. I found this uh, little meme during the week. This is the annual instant gratification zero mile fun run. Runners, take your mark, get set, go. Okay, come get your t-shirts. <laughs> and, and look, I love... All of this, well, that, not the one. I love Amazon Prime next day delivery and I love on-demand video streaming and I love that you can order a car and it magically gets there real quick. Uh, the problem arises when we start to put that same template and bring those same expectations and overlay them onto God and how He works and how his promises work. And because here's the thing, if we do, because with this, with this cultural shift towards instant gratification, if the timeline doesn't meet our expectations, then we just cancel it. We just quit. If we apply that same approach, that same thinking, those same expectations to God, we are going to consistently miss out on taking possession because God doesn't work like an Uber driver. Whether we would want him to or not, he simply doesn't work in that way. Over the last uh, several decades, business startups have gotten a lot of publicity. And, you know, I could go through the list of business startups that, have, that, that, that you would have heard of. Um, and I love business startups. I love it when someone comes up with a great idea, an idea that's going to solve a real world problem. Um, and there's a lot of hype around that and a lot of excitement around that and a lot of interest around that. Venture capital, you know, investors get in and start throwing millions of dollars at, at a lot of these ideas. And it's fantastic. And they make front page news and here's this new idea and here's this thing. But the more laps that I've taken around the sun, whilst I'm still impressed with new ideas and great ideas and innovation and entrepreneurship, I'm now these days more impressed 
with the businesses and the leaders who pushed through, having started up some time ago, hit some turbulent waters, and then continue to push through and actually persevered. That, to me, gets a lot more attention, a lot more of my kind of good job. This year, Apple, the company, not the fruit, uh, celebrated its, or is celebrating its 40th anniversary as a company. And um, what's often, uh, you know, and they get a lot of publicity and they're doing reasonably well uh, as far as companies go. Um, what's often overlooked is that in the mid-90s, they are on the record as saying they, they were one, the company was one day away from declaring bankruptcy. One day away from shutting up shop in the mid-90s because they literally had run out of money and they were gonna just have to, as, as, as great as an idea as it was, shut the doors. And the leaders chose not to shut the doors and continue to persevere. And this year, the company's net worth is just uh, exceeded $2 trillion. Now, if you're wondering, is that, is that a lot of money? Well, first of all, what? Uh, Apple's net worth is larger than the gross domestic product of companies like Italy. Sorry about that. Uh, not my fault. Uh, Brazil, South Korea, Canada, and uh, there's more. And Australia. One company. Higher GDP of companies like that. The reality is, and you know it and I know it, is that too many people stop short of what God's promised before they take possession of the promise. It, it, it's a thing. You might have done it. You might know people that have done it. And so what I wanna do is just drill into a couple of reasons why people maybe quit too soon. And hopefully with us having that heightened awareness, we can avoid falling victim to that same playbook ourselves. So if you've got your Bible or your Bible app, uh, pop it open to Joshua chapter six. This is the sixth book of the Bible, Joshua chapter six. And while you're finding that, let me give you the backstory. So the backstory is that uh, God had called the people of Israel to be His people. And uh, yet in a point of history, that, that nation had been taken captive to Egypt and, and lived and worked as slaves for several hundred years. Eventually, uh, God appointed a leader named Moses and he was able to, at God's direction, talk the Pharaoh of Egypt into letting the people go. And so not only did he let them go, God also promised them a land that they would actually move into and take possession of. So he uh, set them free from something and set them on course to take possession of something. It was both. And so they'd started on that journey uh, they spent 40 years just kind of walking around in the desert, arguing and whinging and complaining and telling Moses that was better when they were in slavery. And how did you just bring us out here to die? What sort of a leader are you? And so they never in Moses' lifetime took a hold of this promised land. Uh, but God appointed Moses' successor, a guy named Joshua. He became God's general to finally, eventually, 40 years later, lead the people of Israel into this land that God had promised. Thing is that as they approached the first city of the ultimate lands that God had promised them, they experienced a problem. 
Jericho, the city, the first city that God was gonna want them to possess, was shut up tight as a drum because of the people of Israel. No one going in and no one coming out. Let's put that on the screens here. Now, 18 months ago, this concept might have been a little bit foreign to us, might have been a little bit, no, well, go back, go back. You follow me, I don't follow you. All right. Jericho was shut up, tight as a drum, no one going in, no one coming out. 18 months ago, we'd be like, what, what's the, come on, man, you just need the money or a passport. Now we understand. This, my friends, is called lockdown. We get it, all right? We understand, this requires no explanation. A city in which no one was going in and no one was coming out. All right, let me show you an artist's impression. This is literally where that city was located, overlaid on, on the modern uh, deal. What you can see is, rel relatively speaking, Jericho was a, a small city. So this was the first of many cities that God had promised the people of Israel would take on. Whilst it was a small city, it was surrounded by some pretty significant walls. And this is, a, this is a picture for us that whenever God promises us something that He wants us to take possession, there's almost always a problem in our way. And I don't want you to miss this. So let's go to the next deal, but I'm just gonna read it again. Jericho was shut up tight as a drum because of the people of Israel. They actually built these walls and locked that city down because of the people of Israel. Because undoubtedly, they would have known the story. They would have heard about this nation that, that God released uh, from Egypt. They would have heard the story of that, that nation encountering a problem that there was a big sea in between them and moving forward. And the Pharaoh had changed his mind. He'd realized, oh, well, it was a stupid idea, letting all of the Israelites go. Who's gonna do all the manual labor? Who's gonna pick the avocados? And so he went after them and they were coming towards the people of Israel. The people of Israel faced this big sea. God didn't remove the sea. He made a way through it. They would have heard about that. They would have been thinking, man, this people of Israel seems to me that God is for them. Seems to me that God is willing to do just about anything so that they can get what they want. And we've heard a rumor that they're coming for us, that we're next. And so Jericho built a wall and put the city on lockdown. And this happens in our life. The devil, our enemy, often puts obstacles in between us and the promise because he knows what's gonna happen. He knows how much better, how much more effective you're gonna be if, if you get to take possession. So he puts stuff in between us and the promise in the hope that we are going to quit because we're overwhelmed by the problem. He knows that if you overcome and are set free from your health issues, that you're gonna be a more effective boss, a more effective worker, a more effective spouse, a more effective parents, because you're not consumed by this health issue anymore. You're gonna experience that freedom. He knows that if you're gonna be able to pay down and get rid of your consumer debt, that you're now gonna be in a position as an individual and as a family and as a household to decide for yourself where you're gonna send it, where you're gonna spend it, that you're no longer a slave to debt, you can now make your own decisions and move out of the stress and anxiety 
of being under consumer debt. The devil knows that. He knows that's in your future if he doesn't get in the way. He knows that if you experience some relational breakthrough, that that's not only gonna be for your better, betterment, but that's gonna impact your kids and that's gonna actually positively, potentially impact generations to follow. He knows that. So he's trying to get in between you and the promise. He wants us to get discouraged. He wants us to look at the wall and forget about the city. He wants us to look at the wall and say, obviously, I'm not going to be getting past this. But the thing about the wall is it's not meant to be something that discourages us. It should be encouraging. It should be a sign that we look at and say, seems to me that the devil's getting desperate. That, that, he's, that this is his last ditch effort. He couldn't talk me out of it, so he tries to get in the way. This is his last ditch effort because he knows that I'm coming in and he knows it's only a matter of time and he can't keep us out much longer. But one of the problems with looking at this slice of history and teaching about it and learning about it is we can think that faith Having faith means living in denial. That there's no wall there. It's like, nope, nope, definitely a wall there. Yep, walls, pretty big wall. The fact is, there was a wall. When we're following Jesus, when we're pursuing God's promises, there is a difference between the facts and the truth. So the facts matter. The facts are real touch it. Yep, definitely a wall. Looks like a wall. Feels like a wall. Smells like a wall. Kick the tires a bit. Yep, it's a wall. There's the fact that there's a wall. And in that recognition of that fact, the problem emerges if our perspective gets blocked. Not just if we see a wall and we stop to see the city, but if we somehow think that God is intimidated by walls, that our God who's promised us what's on the other side of that wall, that He's intimidated ever by seemingly impossible situations and forget that God specializes in making a way where there isn't a way. But here's the thing. They're standing outside the wall, they see, outside the city, they see a big wall. Then God says something to Joshua, wild and crazy. God spoke to Joshua, I look sharp now. I've already given Jericho to you. Like, it's like, God, have you been smoking something? I've already given Jericho to you along with its king and its elite forces. No, you haven't. Because we're standing out here. (laughs) But only God can talk in a past tense about things that we haven't seen yet because He has already seen them. The fact is there was a war, but the truth is God promised they would take possession. And so when we're living between the facts and the truth, the fact is God's promised us something, the truth is there's something in a way, that's a hinge moment for us. Are we willing to continue to do the things that God has instructed us to do even though we have yet to take a hold 
of the promise because we don't automatically possess it at the moment it was promised. That there's a lag, and in that lag, there's a, there's a call to obedience. In that lag, there's a what are we going to do and continue to do, and are we going to continue to do it, do what God's instructed us to do. So God starts laying out the specifics. Now, historians will tell you that there are five ways to overcome or invade a city that's surrounded by a wall. So God starts laying out the specifics to Joshua on behalf of the people, and he chose none of the five. Now, before I tell you what God told them, let me just go on the record as saying this whole slice of history, if I was God, I would not have done it this way. Not any of the steps that he's about to lay out for them. Not one, none of them, zero. And, and, and you're about to see what he, God did. And I wonder if you're gonna be like, yeah, that, what, what? Okay, but here's the thing. This is what, this is God speaking to Joshua. Here's what you are to do. March around the city, all your soldiers. Uh-huh. Circle the city once. Uh-huh. Uh, repeat this for six days. Uh-huh. See, sometimes when God instructs us, it's a test of whether we're willing to do something that doesn't even make sense simply because we're taking God at His word. Soldiers, what do I want you to do? I'd go for a walk each day. Would it take them about an hour to get around the outside walls of Jericho? Have seven priests carry seven ram's horn trumpets in front of the chest. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times as if things weren't already absurd enough. The priests following, blowing away on the trumpets and then a long blast in the ram's horn. And when you hear that, all the people utter shout at the top of their lungs, the city wall will collapse at once. Huh, really? At the, and all the people are to enter, every man straight on in. Well, they got underway day one. But just before, so Joshua relayed these instructions to the soldiers. But just before they set on their first day's lap, just before he added one Seemingly peculiar detail. He said to them, Joshua had just given the orders to the people, said to them, don't shout. In fact, don't even speak, not so much as a whisper until you hear me say shout and then shout away. And full disclosure, I don't 100% know, nobody 100% knows why Joshua instructed the soldiers to not speak at all. Like it wasn't to you know, because we don't want the people of Jericho to know we're here. No, they know you're here. They build a big freaking wall because you're here. Like they know, be like, they didn't need the CCTV. They knew that, and I wonder if Joshua as the leader, that he knew something about that if we start making commentary, sometimes just to ourselves, while we're walking around the wall, the problem is like the only thing we can see. No windows, no viewing platforms. That, that the longer we walk and the longer we talk about the problem, the easier it is for us to talk ourselves out of it. So sometimes the best strategy is shut up and march. Or this one, talking amongst each other. Or people telling you, 
Who do you think you are? You could never do that. Do you know which, what suburb you were born in? Do you know your parents? Nobody from your family's ever. What's and the longer we listen to that commentary, it can talk us out of it. And so again, sometimes the best strategy is shut up and march. In fact, if your commentary or the commentary that's coming in is different from the promise that God's spoken, hit the mute button on the commentary and let God's voice become the dominant thing. But in the meantime, just shut up and march. So he sent the chest of God on its way around the city, circled once, about an hour, came back to camp, all the soldiers, etc., and stayed for the night. These are soldiers. They came back to camp. And uh, wifey says, so honey, how was your day? And he says, uh, it was interesting. Oh yeah, really? Uh, did you kill any baddies? Uh, baddies. Nope, nope, no baddies today. Oh really? So um, what did you do? Tell me everything. And he says, well, uh, not much to tell actually. Just, we just... We just went for a walk around, around the city. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. And then what? Scoping out places where you're going to climb it? No, no, just came back. In fact, here I am. You probably noticed it's only been an hour since I left. Uh, oh, I, I don't know. Okay, I don't know. Okay. Joshua said doing it, so we just shut up, didn't much. On the second day, they again circled the city once and returned to camp. They did this for six days. Six days the soldiers had to explain to their wife where the only thing they achieved that day was a one-hour walk. I think, I think, well, we did a bit of stretching at the end. <laughs> they did this six days. And here's another reason too many people quit before they take hold of the promise is that our progress isn't obvious. And I get this, again, this is me. I'm on the record. If I was God, I wouldn't have done that. If I was God, I would have just, after each lap, just let a few bricks fall. Give them a hint that it's working, that while they're walking, God's working. No, no clues. Or if you wanted to fast forward it to this modern 21st century, maybe make it a bit like Tetris. A bit like Tetris. One lap. See, those of you, I might have to explain if you're under 25 what Tetris is. Tetris is a game. Now, it's very simple. So what's about to happen? This red thing at the top, that's about to fall down the middle. And with Tetris, as soon as the bottom row is full, that row disappears. So I would have been, if I was God, I would have given a little bit of incentive, a little bit of Tetris. With every lap, poof, one course of bricks just disappeared. Because that would have been motivating, right? But in their case, nothing. While they're walking, nothing seems to be happening. Nothing seems to be working. Anyone been there? Anyone experienced that? God, give me a sign. Oh yeah, I'll give you a sign. Walk another lap tomorrow. That's not a sign. That just sounds like insanity to me. Didn't God, don't you know Albert Einstein allegedly said insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result? God's like, no, I haven't read that one yet, but uh, you know, I'm sure it's going to happen in the future somewhere. I don't know, I don't know how this. I don't know how this universe works. I mean, what am I God or something? Uh, but but many of us have been there. We're walking and wondering if God's working. We've started trying to pay down debt, and stuff keeps breaking. 
God, just give me a sign. Get the bank to phone me and say, congratulations, your first credit. Nothing, nothing. Next bill comes in. You're going to counseling with your spouse and you're like, come on, we're committed to doing this. And yet you get home and you find yourself yelling and screaming at them for packing the dishwasher wrong again. That must be just us. No one seems to, no one seems to, did no one else resonate with that? That was not a hypothetical illustration, just so you understand. That was, well, okay, anyway. You know, you're praying that your kids are gonna come back to Jesus and no interest. And God says, keep praying, keep praying. And you're thinking, man, I'm walking and it doesn't seem like anything's working. But I'm pretty confident God was at work here while they were walking. In fact, whilst it may not have appeared, he was doing something for them. He was doing something in them that was gonna prepare them for the next city and the next city and the next city. And it's this, this lesson that we need to walk by faith and not by sight. Because if we only walk by sight, then when things do actually finally work, we can so easily take the credit. Oh yeah, I knew all along that was gonna happen. <laughs> I'm so clever. Here's a bonus pro tip. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is our responsibility. Now, there's no question that one lap would have been more efficient. I mean, come on, God, you know we've got more cities to take, so you know, how about just one lap, no, done, no, no. Outcome is God's responsibility, obedience is ours, and He told them seven days. And it caused them to develop the character quality of perseverance. I mean, if God answered our prayers like He gets the Uber driver to pull up at the curbside, we would just pray all the time. You get up in the morning, God, I pray that on my kitchen bench, when I walk into the kitchen, is a beautiful, delicious bowl of, of wheat bakes with some warm milk and some sliced strawberries. And you walk in there and it's there. And you think, this prayer stuff is awesome. God, I don't feel like going to work today, but I still want to get paid. So can you deposit my paycheck in my bank account and allow me to stay here in my day jammers and watch the Olympics? And you open up your banking app and your salary's there. And you think, this prayer stuff is awesome. You would walk around crashing into stuff because you're just praying all the time. It'd be amazing. But God's not the genie in the bottle. He's God and sometimes He wants to do stuff in us before He does stuff for us. And the stuff He does in us sets us up to the next thing and the next thing. Last week, the team asked me how long it was gonna be before I inserted an Olympics metaphor into a message. Well, the answer is officially one week because here it is, people. Been watching a bit of Olympics and uh, many sports where there are laps, they have a thing called a bell. And literally, it's a bell. I'm thinking, is this the 21st century? Some guy there that they've gone and kind of roped in. He's been a shepherd out, shepherding sheep and milking cows. And they say, hey, mate, can you come in and volunteer for the Olympics? Oh, can you bring your bell too? And he's like, you guys don't have like a button you can push. It's Japan after all. No, no, we want the bell. Well, okay. So there's some guy or girl, ding, 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 
when you've got one lap to go. They call it the bell lap. Bruce McAvaney, they're coming around. Here it is. They're onto the bell lap. Ding, 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 ding. We know it. It's happening. It's a thing. You know what? Here's the deal. God didn't take a row from the top every time they did a lap. He didn't Tetris a row away from the bottom. They got to the end of the sixth day. If I were God, I would have just rang a bit of bell. Give them a bit of bell action. Showing them a bit of bell love. Come on, I know this hasn't made any sense and you still don't know. Because by the way, Joshua was the only one who knew the timeline. He didn't tell them six days on the seventh and then he didn't tell any. He just said, march and just keep marching. And when you hear the ram's horn, then the walls, you shout and the walls are put out. They didn't know it was gonna be on the seventh day. They didn't know that. So they're just doing a lap a day. At least after six, God, please, come on, man. From a bone, ring the bell. No bell. Not only no bell. When the seventh day came, they got up early and marched around the city the same way. <sighs> Again? Oh, no, Joshua says, no, 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 not again. It's not gonna be like Groundhog Day. No, today we're gonna march seven laps. <laughs> really? Yep. They got up early, marched around the city the same way, but seven times. Yes, this day they circled the city. See, this, like even the writer is saying, this is so absurd, I'm gonna write it twice because you're gonna read it once and think as if, and then, oh, no, actually, no. Really happened. On the seventh day, so on the seventh time, the, the priests blew the trumpets and Joshua signaled the people, shout, God has given you this city. Because at this point, remember, only Joshua knew that this was gonna happen. The priests blew the trumpets and when the people heard the blast of the trumpets, they gave a thunderclap shout. Jared, I know you're everywhere, but I need to see your presence and not just feel it. How about the music team coming up? The priests blew the trumpets and when the people heard the blast of the trumpets, they gave a thunderclap shout and the wall fell at once and the people rushed straight into the city and took it. This happened exactly as God had described it was gonna happen, but it didn't happen how I would have planned it. It didn't happen probably how you would have planned it. The people, apart from Joshua, the, the, these are soldiers trained to fight, not just trained to go for one hour power walks every day. And... And, and they walked each day for a lap and saw no immediate progress. The wall was still there. The perspective was blocked. The promise seemed to be getting just a little, a little absurd at that time. And I, and I want us, how about we stand right now? Because chances are some of you have something or some things in your life that, that look like a wall to you and, and could be. Like, again, we're not talking about denial. Uh, and I don't know we have to sing this whole song because I've already gone over time so I don't want people starting to blame me even though it would be correct but how about just put just put that in front of God and just commit to saying God what, what do you want me to do is there something you want me to do differently or do you want me just to keep doing the fundamentals that you've instructed me to do because I'm going to do that and allow God to breathe courage into your heart the word encouragement means to put courage in that God can give you the courage. Say, God, I'm willing to be courageous, but I don't feel a lot of courage. Let Him put some courage in. I'm willing to stand strong, but I don't really feel like I've got the strength. God can give you, infuse you strength. So it's a new song. Let's do that. Louis, come up. We really hope you've got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. 
For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.